Welcome to the Boss Ladies Podcast. I'm Olivia Wary, and as a young female working in the industry of technology, I'm constantly struggling to find my voice and overcome challenges thrown my way. I've decided to have conversations with boss ladies in every industry to hear how they do it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Boss Ladies. I am so excited to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited too. So I am a huge fan of Jenny Kane, but you know, I want to start by hearing a little bit about sort of what led you to Jenny Kane and how you got to your role as VP of brand marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been with Jenny Kane for a little over five years now. And I discovered the brand when I was in college. I went to UCLA and Los Angeles and we have a store in the Brentwood Country Mart and I hate to admit but I would spend a lot of time browsing around the store um, <laughs> and I actually um, interviewed for a position um, an assistant level position a couple years after I graduated from college and it didn't end up working out but I always loved the brand and sort of followed along with how the brand was growing um, and just thought Jenny had, you know, the most incredible taste, really knowing not much about the actual brand. Um, And then I applied for a coordinator role probably a year or so later. And it was a really, really great way to get my foot in the door. Um, And from there, I've just sort of been kind of discovering what I like to do in marketing and really learning a lot about myself. I think I was 23 or 24 when I started at Jenny Kane. So in a way, I feel like I've sort of grown up at the company and the bulk of my career has been with the brand. That's awesome. And I just have to ask, what is your favorite product if you have one? Oh man. Um, I think I'm going to go with the cashmere cocoon sweater. It's a newer product, but it's one of our best sellers and it's like the most oversized cozy sweater of all time. I haven't tried it yet, but it looks super cozy. Um, my, my roommate and I are obsessed with the musk candle. We think it's the greatest scent to exist. We have one on our, our kitchen table to, for our living room. Note on. <laughs> so can you talk to me a little bit about the brand strategy before COVID and sort of how you guys have had to adapt when COVID hit in March? Yeah. Um, so when I joined the team, um, we were really an apparel brand and we still, you know, our bread and butter is still apparel and footwear. But in the past, you know, five or six years, the brand has really developed into a lifestyle brand, which is sort of a trigger word, but um, it, it actually is true. We have product in multiple categories now. We have a home collection, a furniture line, tabletop, apothecary, as you just mentioned, the candles. We're launching a skincare line next year. So the brand has really developed. And I think we were fortunate enough to be in a in a pretty good position before COVID, um, just because our product is, you know, it's appropriate for the moment, it's cozy, um, it makes you feel comfortable at home, it's not anything too fussy. And then, of course, I feel like everyone is redecorating their homes right now, now that we're all sitting inside and staring at our rooms. (laughs) Totally revamp everything. So before COVID, our goal was really just to continue to evolve and, and grow and become a lifestyle brand and and really be reach more of a national audience. We're definitely a California-based brand and we have a really big audience here, but that has grown considerably, you know, over the past couple of years. So the, our strategy hasn't really changed. We just sort of leaned into the areas um, that we were already doing, but kind of tweaked them to be more appropriate for the times. Like we 
we have a really strong content site called Rip and Tan. So we kind of just started giving people more of what they already loved from us, like wellness tips, decorating tips, just things to make make people feel... I don't know. We wanted to give people a sense of normalcy just because everything was so... It is still so crazy. So, and then of course there were like a lot of logistical strategy changes. Like, for example, when we first, when the stay-at-home orders first began, we had to close our warehouse and our stores. And you know, stores were about fifty percent of our revenue. So, really, the only way we could stay afloat was to turn, and we actually turned our um, CEO's home into a uh, shipping location. So, no way. All hands on deck. I've never had more respect for our warehouse team. Like all day packing boxes, really every single person at the company. And of course, we did it, you know, distance and we were safe. But I feel like we all really kind of banded together. And we always kind of joke that we had to go back to basics and really focus on what makes the company great, which is our product and our storytelling and the team. So Fortunately, we're doing really well. And I think we've kind of weathered the storm. But yeah, it's definitely a a whole new world. For sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Wow, that's insane about turning your CEO's home into a, a warehouse. That's definitely, I'm sure, a humbling experience. Can you tell me a little bit about sort of like who your target demographic is and and how you stay in touch with them, especially, you know, given everything going on to sort of ensure like Jenny Kane is meeting their needs and, and developing products that, you know, they're interested in. Yeah, we we worked really hard to sort of grow our audience base in the past couple of years, not only, you know, to grow our business, but also we just want to be able to offer the Jenny Kane look and feel to more women. And we do know that the price point is on the higher end. Um, and that is something that you know, it's a constant conversation for us. How can we make product that's more accessible to people without sacrificing the quality and the design and, and just, we really believe in the quality of our product. So we have worked hard to add collections throughout our assortment that are at a more accessible price, price point. We have an everyday sweater collection, which is, you know, starts at $140. So of course, it's all relative. And we know that but our goal really is to just be able to reach as many women as possible. And men too, for home, we don't we have a couple of men's products, but it's mostly women's focused. So I'm not sure if that totally answers your question. But we really are just aiming to kind of share that Jenny King lifestyle with as many people as we can. No, I think that's great. And where do you sort of see things evolving over the next five, 10 years, etc.? I would love for there to be a Jenny Kane hotel out in the world. I'm saying it out loud. Oh, I love that. Test it into reality. Um, no, but we've we've uh, talked a lot about how fashion sort of intersects with hospitality, and we've done a few branded renovation projects. We um, flipped a home in Lake Arrowhead last summer, and we're actually working on another flip up in Santa Ynez, which is near you know Santa Barbara wine country. You're not familiar with the area, but so we've done a couple of experiential projects that have been really, really exciting. And before the pandemic hit, we had planned to um, launch customer facing retreats. We actually were supposed to have one in May of this year. So fingers crossed that next year we can really um, start doing those experiences and bringing people together again. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we just continue to grow. And I think there's just so many creative ways that we can get the brand out there and and also introduce people to the Jenny Kane lifestyle. 
I think that's great. And it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of partnerships as well. Yeah, we um, we love a good partnership. We just launched a, a rug collaboration with Lulu in Georgia a couple of months ago, and we have some exciting partnerships in the works for next year too. So yeah, lots of different partnerships and just trying to stay, you know, keep pushing towards 2021. This year has been such a um, like turnaround, but I think we learned a lot. So all said and done, it was it was good for us to go through it. Yeah, it's definitely been sort of a, a weird and challenging year, I think, for for everyone to sort of redefine priorities and, and really think about what they're looking for for their business. So it's definitely interesting to see how everyone's done it. So I want to jump topics for a second and talk a little bit more about you. So I personally have found that some people feel like age sort of equates to skill and experience. And oftentimes like people can undermine your abilities and, you know, have people done that with you and, and sort of what strategies have you used to, to really maintain your, your power? I mean, I know you started there at uh, right out of college. So I think I've been really lucky at Jenny Kane. I mean, for many reasons, but um, <laughs> the reason is because we have a really green team. It's 99% female. Um, our CEO is 35 years old. You know, Jenny's in her late 30s, has three young kids. And we have really been empowered by leadership to grow. Uh, so I don't think that anyone internally, I've never felt like age kind of has held me back and not really externally either. I think when you find people that kind of are your champion, that really helps. I think the biggest, like the biggest challenge is, is fighting that like within your own head and <laughs> that imposter system. <laughs> and I think that's like something I really struggled with for a couple of years and not feeling like adequate or that I deserve to have the job that I did. And that's really just negative self-talk that gets you nowhere. So I think kind of like figuring out how to deal with my own imposter syndrome, which I know so many people have, um, that's sort of been my biggest challenge of like battling the age, age thing is really myself. So <laughs> how have you sort of overcome that? It sounds like you're, you, you sounds like you're getting a lot better at it. Yeah. I mean, time, I think, um, and experience. And I think you just sort of like the more that you talk to people and you know, the more experience you have, you sort of realize that everyone is just trying to figure it out and do the best that they can, even the people that seem like the most intimidating and the most with it. So it's kind of a constant reminder to myself to just you know, like the, the phrase big when you make it because I think, you know, people work really hard to get where they are. But but in a sense, like you really just have to go for it and believe in yourself. And I also think finding mentors that that can champion you and just support you and inspire you. That has been really huge for me. Julia uh, Hunter is our CEO and she's been that for me. So um, it definitely helps to have that, that mentor kind of like give you that affirmation that um, you are in the right place um, when you're doubting yourself. Totally. I think that's awesome. And I think, you know, it's cool. I'm sure you feel this way, but like, as you grow, you can then start to pass that on to, to younger women and help them. Uh, be that mentor as well. Yeah, that's been really one of the most rewarding parts of being at Jenny Kane is now I have a team. And you know, when I had like my first direct report, I had no idea how to be a manager. And that's, that's a whole other learning process in itself, right? And 
now I have a team of six and it's been really rewarding to see those people grow and get promoted and find out what they love to do. And I just feel like in a very tiny way, like I hope that I'm that I'm helping them with that just because I've was so lucky to, to get that from Julia. So yeah, that's, that's for sure a, a rewarding part of the job. That's awesome. So what strategies would you recommend for women looking to differentiate themselves and, and go for promotions and try and take on leadership roles within their company? I mean, I think just don't be afraid to ask for what you want and, and know your worth and that of course, ties back to being confident in your capabilities, but also just work really hard. I mean, that's such like a, a cheesy answer. But really, like, if you're the first person there, and the last person to leave and clearly really passionate about what you're doing, it shows and like, it's very obvious who is working to live and living to work. And I'm not saying work needs to be your entire life. But it's also really clear when someone is completely invested and in giving 110% every day. And I think I think that goes noticed by people, um, especially people in leadership roles. So for me, that, that's that been a way to earn trust and take on more responsibility at a young age. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's my final answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. <laughs> um, and sort of on that note, like, how do you advocate for yourself I think that's something like with imposter syndrome and, and sort of with societal pressures, I think it's, it's becoming increasingly more challenging for, for people to do that. And to, like you said, know your worth. So how have you, I don't know, learned to do that? (laughs) I mean, actions really speak louder than words. And I think, especially when you're starting somewhere new, like just put your head down and do your work, like stay out of office politics as much as you can just focus on getting the job done or adding value in any way that you can. And I think that's a way to just to stay focused. And it really does show um, that like you're in it to, to grow and, and also make decisions that have the company's best interest at heart. I think that's also pretty obvious when people are doing things for themselves versus doing things for the good of, of the team and, and for the good of like overall growth. And I would say just try to remove your ego from the equation, which can be hard, right? That's hard for everyone. But it's just pretty evident who is who is going to like, who is putting something first, I guess. Totally. So how would you say you balance, like if you are someone, let's say that keeps their head down, they go into the office, they work super hard. How do you balance like trusting that leadership is going to recognize that hard work while also, you know, continuing of course, to advocate for yourself? I've really been lucky that, I haven't had an experience where I felt like I wasn't recognized or, or my contributions weren't valued. And I think if you are somewhere where that's happening, that's probably not the right environment. So I guess that's what I would say is find somewhere that does value hard work and dedication because you're going to be happier there in the long run. I think that's a great answer. Honestly, I feel like too many people spend so much time like fighting with their manager to see their worth and might as well go somewhere where that's recognized. <laughs> there are a lot of great companies and a lot of people that really care about, you know, employees and company culture. And I think at this point, like, I feel like we grew up with the impression that you need to stay at a company for like X number of years. And, and of course, I've been a Jenny King for a long time, but I don't, 
now I think it's like much more acceptable to not bounce around. I mean, I definitely value like loyalty and being somewhere to really see something out. But if you're not having a good experience, like you can make that change. And I fell into a rut, you know, my first year out of college, I took a job that, you know, I was interning there and I was offered a job and I was so excited just to have a job. And it wasn't the right fit for me. I was not happy there. I wasn't doing what I wanted to do, but I stayed there because I felt like, oh, I have to make it to the year mark. And it wasn't anything to do with, you know, leadership or, or anything like that. It just wasn't, you know, the right job for me. And I really felt this like internal pressure to stick it out for whatever reason. And in hindsight, I'm like, I could have put my ended my misery like so much quicker and just <laughs> left and been fine. And um, of course, you need like income and you need to be able to support yourself. So not going to quit your job, but there were just other ways around it. And I like, I think that stigma kept me there longer than I than it should have. So I just say you should be happy at work. You're there, you know, 80% of your week, you might as well love it. (laughs) Definitely. So I feel like you're in a role where you have a lot of sort of creativity because you're focusing so much on the brand and marketing and, you know, talking to your customers and sort of learning about what they're interested in. How do you like, I don't know, how do you, I don't know how I want to phrase this question, but I'm trying to understand like, when you feel like just taking a leap and trusting your gut to come up with new ideas, whether they're product ideas or, or, you know, creating a hotel and going into a whole new line of business versus like trying to take calculated risks. Like how should one balance that? And how do you balance that? That's a fair question. I think we, we've really been given room to sort of play with brand experiences and kind of just like go for it. For lack of better words, I, I realized that if it was, a larger company and even now as we've evolved like we we you know budget is a factor in all of these things of course and i don't know i mean i think the the rewards have paid off when we've risked things like i'll give you an example we launched our home collection in 2017 and we renovated a vintage airstream that we toured around the country for 3 months and that was a huge undertaking and that at that time we didn't have a ton of brand awareness um it was like basically pulling off a three month tour, we stopped in eight cities across America. You know, there were a lot of moving pieces, no pun intended. And it was a huge project. And, you know, then there's the question of like, okay, well, how do you measure the success of that? And yes, we can measure sales, of course. And brand awareness is not something you can really directly measure. I mean, you can use different KPIs, of course. But so we did this Airstream project, it was great. And then Recently, we just took the Airstream to Texas. Um, it stopped in Dallas and Houston, and it was a huge success. There were lines out the doors, and that's something that um, we tried this thing a couple of years ago, and it was it was great for brand recognition. It wasn't like a huge success as far as sales go, um, but like lo and behold, we brought it back out, and it did amazing. So, like sometimes you just have to like go for it, and then learn from your mistakes or learn from that process and then kind of like tweak it and do it again. So again, like I keep saying this, but we've, we've been lucky to have a leadership team that is really supportive of those kind of like bigger and less traditional ideas. So it's been fun. And we definitely do have to tie these things back to certain goals and things like that. Um, It's not just like a a free for all, but we have been lucky that we're able to explore and go into new, go into new categories and, and test out things here and there. 
No, I think that's awesome. And, you know, it, you guys kind of have like almost like a cult as well of celebrities who are really interested in, in supporting the brand, Jessica Alba, Jennifer Lawrence, Haley Baldwin. So sort of how do you guys work with them, partner with them? Do you even do that? Or do they just naturally, you know, love, love the products and sort of promote those? I think they naturally just love the products. Um, we, <laughs> you know, we don't do celebrity seating or anything like that. Um, I think the brand being based in LA is probably helpful as far as recognition goes. And, you know, Jenny's from Los Angeles. She grew up here. But yeah, I think we've been lucky that the product is just really, really good. And I'm biased, but um, <laughs> it really I mean, I'm biased too, if that helps. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. So the product and it's exciting to see celebrities and, and people. I mean, even when I see it, still when I see like a fisherman on the street or, you know, that's one of our sweaters, I get excited. Like, I feel like I still see us as like this tiny little team and we're still really small, but it's just really cool. It never gets old. So that's always fun. <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. Uh, and it sounds like you really love working there. You love the brand, you love leadership. So I think it, it's it's all really awesome and cool to hear just as someone who likes the products uh, to hear how exciting it is, you know, the company behind the products. So that's really awesome. Yeah. So my last question for you, because I love to ask this in every interview is what do you feel is one of your greatest accomplishments? Uh, well, I think we touched on this a bit before, but really, really learning how to be a leader. And that, of course, is an ever evolving process. I feel like I learn something new every year about myself. And we do, you know, reviews and, and self reflections every year. And I always find so much room to grow, but also that I like actually evolved as a leader, which has been really rewarding. And then just to see my team doing really well. And I mean, they're all amazing. I, I really love all of my coworkers. And I think that's what I'm most proud of right now is learning how to be a good manager and a good boss and like a good friend to my to my coworkers. I think that's a fantastic note to end on. So thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. It was so fun to talk to you. Thanks for having me. For more information about Boss Ladies, go to www.bossladiespodcast.com. Also check us out on Instagram at Boss Ladies Podcast. Check back soon for another episode of Boss Ladies.